Are you wanting to create a highly prosperous photography business doing what you love? Or maybe you have a great business already and want to up your game? Then you're in the right place. Master craftsman photographer Lucy Dumas and her guests are here to support you on your journey. Now here's your hostess and tour guide, Lucy. You can have everything in life you want if you will just help enough other people get what they want. That is a quote by the amazing Zig Ziglar. I want to welcome you again. I'm excited that you've tuned in to The Profitable Photographer. And I want to let you know that I am starting a group on my sales system, the Sales Academy, and I'm starting in October 2021. So if you want info about that, send me a quick email. Just go to lucydumascoaching.com. And um, there will be some early adopter bonuses before we get started. So when you listen to this, if you're like, hey, but I want to get growing now, just go ahead and um, email me. So I'm excited to be chatting with Erin Bonilla today. She is the owner of a highly successful pet photography business in Virginia and she'll tell you more about her studio. And what we're going to discover is how she went from those early dreams of a photography business and doing kind of some general things to discovering her golden path to success and then um, how she is doing all of this. And she was one of my coaching clients five years ago. And so I've gotten to watch this journey with her and I want to share her with you because I know you're going to be like, what? That's exciting. (laughs) Her husband, Oswaldo, has just retired from the Air Force and has joined the business. And so their second location is uh, being put together now to open in the fall. So Aaron, thanks so much. I'm excited to talk to you today as always. Hello. Hi, Lizzie. Thank you. Hi, Lizzie. Hi. Thanks for having me. Hi. You're well. Hi, hi, hi. <laughs> so um, can you share a little about where you started from? Um, I know your parents were photographers, but without going into like when you got your first camera and such. <laughs> just a little about your backgrounds. Well, I've been an entrepreneur my whole life. So whenever I could make something that would be of value to other people, I've always had the desire to offer that to them and to sell that to people, whatever it was that I was making. So I was no different um, with photography. And I started a business in 2016 in Suffolk. Um, where I was mostly doing real estate photography. I actually started with the realtor who helped us buy our house when we moved to Suffolk. Um, And I worked with him a lot. Um, I did some drone photography. I would pick up random uh, jobs on Thumbtack and do events and some portraits and and things like that. But I really didn't have much direction. I didn't really know where I was going to take it. So was that the point where you said, I need a coach? And and I said... I need to find the perfect coach. Who would that be? Um, And here came Lucy Dumas and I found you and uh, talked to you on the phone about it. And I thought it would be a perfect fit. So that's when I hired you. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So tell me about that journey. I mean, I know all about that 
that first, I think nine months was, was our, our coaching, but you know, what, what you learned, what skills you developed that has helped you be where you are now. Yes. There were three main areas that you helped me with. Number one was a solid foundation for the business model itself. So the consultation, the shoot, the sale, um, edit, order, deliver to the client. And I wasn't aware of that model before you. So, and then also the contact with the people um, in regards to the model. So, um, you know, to call them to schedule the consultation and how to do that and how to collect a deposit in order to make sure people show up, um, how to talk to them, how to set the expectations. I think you are really great at avoiding problems before they start. And that was Mm -hmm. one of the biggest strengths that I got from you. And also, so number two was uh, the vision for the future. You really helped me to um, be introspective about what I enjoyed and what the path was for me personally, based on um, my passions and um, me, you know, just my personal path. Right. Um, So, and the way you did that was just getting to know me. And, um, you know, that one question where you asked me if I had to choose a niche, what would it be? And the income would be the same, no matter what I chose. And I feel like that was a pivotal moment Mm. uh, for me. Um, so that was number two and number three is how to sell. So, um, teaching me how to do the actual sales process with a client took me from getting the small little odds and then jobs to, um, projecting and selling for a portrait client. Um, and like the day after I did their portrait session and selling them $2,300 worth of canvas and album, uh, based on what you were teaching me. So as soon as I found out that I could present the images to people and sell them products, um, I was hooked. I knew that that was what I needed to do. And you helped me to put together the model and the process, uh, for doing it in the beginning. Um, and actually a bonus, you also taught me the, uh, the lead collection form of direct response marketing. Mm. And I feel that direct response marketing is, um, a very predictable and reliable way to get clients in the door. Can you define direct response marketing for people that don't know that term? I will try. I will tell you what I think it means. Um, maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, but, um, direct response marketing is where you give the potential clients, you give your target market the opportunity to raise their hand and say, I am interested in your product so that you can then go and contact them. Right. Um, so that could be a, for a way that you collect their information. It can be a lead form. Um, it's something that you put out into the world that invites people to let you know who they are and that they may be possibly interested in your product and gives you their contact information so that you can then take the initiative. And I think that's the key because it's an active marketing. It's not passive where you're just sitting back and waiting for people to contact you. Mm -hmm. And I believe that's the difference. Yes. And, um, that's exactly how that's a better way to explain it than I might have. So one of the things that I find in portraits is it is more challenging to get people to say, I need to book something now. With weddings, when I did those for 12 years, 
I, um, you know, people need a photographer if they're planning a wedding. And my main foundation was networking with other vendors in the industry and other photographers because I only did three a month. So there was a limited availability of my time, but with portraiture, uh, yeah, we don't just sit there, you know, the get your name out there or open, you know, have a website or do a blog and think that people are going to like just knock on your door. So yeah, thank you for that. Mm -hmm. um, what I loved was, I remember in the first couple of months, once we got, you know, your foundation and your clarity and, and um, just a lot of those things built and you had I think two sessions that paid for your coaching and uh, that, that was made me super happy knowing that I was earning my keep <laughs> and the other, and we talked about this uh, before we started recording is I, bef before meeting Aaron, I was starting to have this really strong feeling that pet photography was a new really viable specialty that people would pay a lot of money for as wall art. So, so I'm the kind of person that kind of senses trends and maybe 10 years ago, I started feeling the, the trend of pet photography that I thought that high-end pet photography and wall portraits and things was a niche that was going to grow and that someone could be very successful at this. So then Aaron, when I saw your creative work that you were doing for fun as fine art with pets, with guinea pigs, that's why I suggested that to you and got this feeling that that could be what Julia Cameron calls your golden vein or your vein of gold. So before you and I were coaching, I was just getting an intuition that pet photography could be a highly profitable new niche and that people would love wall portraits of their pets. I live in a neighborhood where it's like a dog parade on my corner. And I had clients say they love their, their dog more than their kids now that their kids are out in the house. Um, <laughs> And then you used to do, and I don't know if you still do for fun, but, but for fun, you used to do what we started calling animalia photography. Can you share just a little about like some of your guinea pig photos and still lifes and yeah. what you were creating? Yeah, sure. Um, so I uh, wanted to practice photography because I had just gotten a DSLR camera um, for the first time ever. And um, a friend of mine is a hobby farmer and she had a lot of guinea pigs, like dozens of guinea pigs. Um, she has goats, frogs, dogs, cats, birds, there's all kinds of critters. And she would bring them to my house um, or sometimes we'd go out on location. Um, and we were always, you know, super careful. It was just for fun. Um, and we would come up with creative ideas. For example, um, we took a mama guinea pig and her three little baby guinea pigs and put them in cute little flower pots and, you know, carefully uh, with a hairpin on uh, the back of their heads, these little flowers. Um, so it was really cute. Um, it's called Guinea Garden. 
Um, and we did a couple of other things like that for fun. And it was great. It was the most fun that I ever had. And, um, Lucy, you introduced me to sprayed and mounted large prints. And the first thing I did was print out a number of those. Um, and as soon as I heard about, you know, beautiful stripped canvases, I got a very large canvas of uh, Guinea garden actually. Um, so that's what I ended up doing with those. I used to take them to art shows and I still do sometimes. Um, I'll take them out. They're more like display pieces um, that I will use to sort of just display or um, show sort of a portfolio of what I've done with the animals, but it's not uh, client work. So it's more um, creative right? and fun. Right. And what that indicated when I was in my 20s, I was reading something about how to be successful. And the line, and I wrote this down and saw it all the time somewhere in my house, was watch what your hand falls to naturally and keep doing more of that. And so when I saw that you were naturally doing uh, photography with animals, then I could see a, a path for you. And um, yeah, and the rest is history, right? Like you said earlier, how when people are going to get married, they know they need to get a photographer or that it is a new niche uh, relatively. I know it's been around for a while. A lot of people are doing it, especially now. It definitely is trending and becoming a lot more popular than it has been in the last couple of decades, right? Um, and so I thought that it would be really challenging to create enough demand because of the lack of knowledge. Um, it was gonna take too much um, customer education to convince people for one, that we could photograph their pets or two, even figure out how people even look for that because it didn't seem like they would be looking for it. But that's why the direct response marketing works very well for right. me because most of the time they actually aren't looking for it because <laughs> they don't right. know that right. they can get it. Um, but I saw those challenges when you presented that because I really didn't think uh, that it was going to be as easy to create a business with something that customers didn't even know was something they could get. Mm -hmm. I saw that as a big obstacle to going forward that way. Um, and it did take me about six months to let go of doing any other kind of photography um, and to see enough demand response from the market from pet owners who wanted this for me to let go of every other kind of genre of photography and just to specialize on the pets. So it did take me about six months to come on board, Lucy. <laughs> yes, but I knew it. It's like, to me, with my coaches, sometimes they hold a vision for me that they see clearly and they patiently guide me so that then I see it too. And, <laughs> but what I have to say, Erin, is the vision that you created for your business is far beyond what I initially, you know, I was seeing you as a, an artist that did high-end photography with, I don't know, 40, 50, 60, 70 clients a year making good money. But uh, tell me. Well, that's because I'm the entrepreneur, you know, yeah. I don't want to be the one who is doing the photography. I want to be the business owner. I want to be the CEO. So, and that's what I'm doing basically. That's just, that's who I am. Right. Right. And that's what I love um, about people that are learners and growers. 
they keep developing their own vision. It's not a one size fits all, you know, plug and play in this business. We get to create any way we want. So tell me about your business now. And then I want to, I have some questions on that. So I want people to know clearly what, what your studio is like, your staff, all that good stuff. All right. Um, so right now we have a 3,200 square foot studio space um, inside of a high-end mall in downtown Norfolk, Virginia. Uh, right now there are 15 employees working there. Um, we have a post-production team of two people full-time. Um, we have a couple of people who are remote who do phones. Um, we have three photographers, um, two salespeople, and the studio manager. Um, we have animal handlers, um, and we're adding on a couple other people as well. So we have a team of people down there as well as management. Um, we're currently photographing um, approximately 160 portraits a month. Um, our current average is $950. Um, we're photographing them a maximum of 10 per day um, with the different photographers and salespeople, you know, splitting shifts. Um, our turnaround time is about three to four weeks, um, which is incredible. Um, yeah. We maintain that. <laughs> and also zero mistakes, which is the pride of my studio is the post-production team, uh, the manager of the, um, the department and she's just perfect for the job. I love her. My team is amazing. So it's the people who are down there. Um, I've really gotten to know all of them very well and they are incredible. Um, they're doing a great job. And um, let's see. So what else do you want to know? Um, so, so how, like, I have so many questions on how you create a team, how you manage a team. Um, so and one of my questions was wh why you decided to have a business of this size and have this business model. I think you already touched on that, that you wanted to be a business owner, not a solopreneur photographer. Um, is there anything else in that of like, like why, like where that vision came from to be that, you know, on that scale. Okay. Um, I would trace it back to learning what my purpose was, um, back in 2016, a little bit earlier than that, before I started working with you. Um, I discovered why I wanted to make portraits of animals and it was not because I wanted people to buy prints of them because that wasn't happening. <laughs> so I had to figure out another reason why to do it. Because like I said, I'm an entrepreneur. So if I find something that I think people like that is going to be popular, I want to try to market it. And I tried to market the pictures because people did like them, uh, but nobody wanted to buy them. And it was very frustrating to me. So I had to decide at that time why I would do it. And it had to be for a reason other than to sell prints of it. Um, and I decided it would be because the world is sometimes a really crappy, crappy place. And a lot of terrible things happen. 
So I wanted to make the world a better place. Mm. It, it sounds cheesy, but it really is my motivation for continuing to create pet portraits specifically, because I think the world needs more pet portraits. Um, when you are scrolling down your news feed, wherever that is, Facebook, Instagram, your news, whatever um, you do um, to get your information. And it's all this negativity. And then there is a portrait of three Pomeranians sitting inside of a boat in front of the beach and they're all smiling and it's fantastic. And it makes you stop and it makes you laugh. So I decided that that's why I would do it. I would do it mm. to bring joy to people's lives. Um, so when you combine my entrepreneurial, um, urge and compulsion with the purpose of bringing joy to people's lives through, um, heirloom quality wall art pieces that will last the rest of their lives, mm. uh, then that's where you get the vision for wanting to have multiple locations and wanting to have a larger business. Because if we're shooting 160 portraits a month, that's 160 pet owners who are going to have forever memories of their beautiful fur babies. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, those memories that are going to be high quality and last them forever. And the more clients that we can provide that for, then the more good we can do, um, the more jobs I can offer to people, the better jobs, you know, we pay as much as we can. Um, we offer benefits, we offer like paid sick leave, paid paternity and maternity leave, all kinds of benefits. So, you know, we can have more jobs. So basically it's just abundance, Lucy. Mm. You know, if it's, it's better and better and more and more and doing more and doing the most good that we can. <laughs> I for just love that our employees, for our clients, for our cities and our communities, because we also send a lot of money in tax revenue. Mm -hmm. um, we're going to be raising money for charity as well, um, even though we haven't started that yet. Um, but right now we're building our team, you know, we're really focusing on our people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that, that's it. And I've, I've always wanted to be the CEO of a multiple location business ever since I was a kid. So I mean, yeah. It's in my heart. That's what I want to do. I really oh. believe that the world needs more pet studios. Yes. Yeah. We don't have a, a big one in San Diego and there's 3 million people in San Diego. Or maybe there is and I don't know because I don't own a dog. But um, I, I just love that, Erin. I think that, that knowing it's not about simply, I want to make a bunch of money, but you want to contribute to the world in this really kind of, it's like an emotional product that brings joy to people every day and they don't even know until they have it, how much it's going to. And it's a legacy for me. It, it is. You know, yeah. because they last for the rest of your life. I mean, they're going to last for hundreds of years probably. Yeah. And we're yeah. creating what, 150 wall art pieces a month that are going to last for 200 right. years. I mean, that's right. incredible. Yeah. And that also the fact that you've and are continuing to create jobs and contributing. Um, people are lucky to know you. So you getting to be their boss is a contribution to me in my mind. And yeah, it's incredible. And you know how proud I am of you. Uh, well, I can tell you, Lucy, that my vision was cemented last week when I checked my security camera for my camera room in Norfolk. You know why? Why? Because I saw a basset hound wearing a Hawaiian t-shirt being placed inside the little tiny boat so he could make a portrait for his mama. 
<laughs> and he was so happy and he was wagging his tail and he had a little, a little leg, you know, a flower lay. And, you know, it, it makes me feel so fulfilled knowing yes. that that's what I've created. Mm -hmm. It really does. Yeah. I'm getting emotional talking about it. I like it. it. Yeah. And, and I, I get that, you know, as I've spent my life photographing kids and I've had situations like I had a client uh, come back after 25 years, see if I had the negatives. Uh, she wanted to buy some prints. And she said in 25 years, this was the best investment I made. Like of everything I spent over 25 years, these portraits of my son when he was four and six are uh, the most precious to me. Th that same feeling that like, yeah. And it's not about me. It's about them. So, <sighs> okay. So something I would love to ask you about. So Aaron, I know there are people who are like, wow, I'd really love to do that. And, and like, wouldn't even know where to start. I, I can tell you where to start as a solopreneur, but as someone who has a vision of being a owner of, of several locations of a business, how do you get started on that? And then I also want to... Lucy, it's really business basics. So if you think of what are the things that Witch Witch, the sandwich shop or Subway, right? What do they have that a small solopreneur does not have? They have a very comprehensive business plan. They have all of their systems and processes written down. And they also have good management and leadership. So, you know, knowing your numbers, having KPIs, know what a KPI is. What is a KPI? KPIs are key performance indicators. So those can be thought of like the gauges on your dashboard of your car. Um, you know, you see your gas tank and you see that you're almost running out of gas. So what do you do? You stop and you get gas. The KPI is how many portraits do I have scheduled for the month of July? It is 167. So is that good? Is that bad? You can base your decisions on that. It could be, you know, portraits per month. It could be your closing ratio. It could be your average sale, your turnaround time, customer satisfaction. <laughs> so those are KPIs, right? So you have to monitor the different things that go on in your business and analyze, um, you know, what's working, what's not. There's also um, critical drivers. So KPIs kind of tell you a little bit after the fact, but a critical driver for me is I have two full-time phone people. Those are critical driver to a directly related to a KPI, which is how many portraits per week are we doing? Mm. Um, so, you know, knowing those sorts of like business basics and fundamentals, um, you might need to look outside of the photography industry um, to find more information on things like that, such as a book called Scaling Up. Um, there's also a great book called uh, The Road Less Stupid that is very good. Um, the E-Myth um, is good as well. Um, so there are a lot of books out there, um, in order to learn more about more of the business side of it. Cause that's really what I did is I wrote a great business plan. I started writing down all of my systems and processes. Um, I started studying leadership and management. 
Mm. And that's when I started building my team up even more. And where the writing down of the systems and processes has come in very handy has been when it comes to training new staff. So now, you know, my post-production process and systems are all written out. So now when it's time to train someone, it's pretty easy to convert that into a training manual. Mm. Um, It's also good to look at it and analyze it, optimize it, see where it could be better, um, find out where your um, bottlenecks are in the business. And you can't do that if you don't know your numbers. Yeah. What's a bottleneck? A bottleneck could be like, if I'm doing 160 portraits a month, but my turnaround time is six weeks and they're all struggling, there's a bottleneck in my customer experience and it's at the post-production process. Or a bottleneck could be um, where something I'm failing at, like if I'm not getting enough leads in. So that could be kind of like a, a bottleneck at that point, but right. So that's really like a point in your process that's not flowing or it's not optimized. It's not functioning as good as it needs to. Right. So well. then it's slowing down. Just like if you think of a bottle, if it was a, it was a jar, you can pour a lot of water at once. If it's a bottle with a thin neck, it limits your success at getting right. And there's no point in scheduling 160 portraits. If I can't process all the orders, right. Or if I don't have enough staff to shoot it. Right. So, right. Or if that could be another bottleneck or if someone's spending uh, 25 hours a week editing one uh, portrait session, that's a yes. big bottleneck unless you're charging 20, 30, 40 grand for that one. And I used to doubt, I, not really doubt, but I wondered if there, I would ever get to a point in my business where there were no fires or challenges from the very, very beginning all the way to the very, very end. So I'm getting enough leads. I'm scheduling enough portraits. Um, you know, we have enough space in the calendar. We're shooting enough. The portraits are going well. The sales average is where it's supposed to be at. And the turnaround time is going well, no mistakes, and all the clients are happy. Like from start to finish, all the way through, could it ever just work? <laughs> and I'm happy to report that for the last six months, it has been working and operating smoothly all the way from start to finish with no fires and all happy clients and no mistakes. And it's it's wow. been working really well. And I think that, you know, with the emphasis on the processes, emphasis on policies and structure, um, management structure and training um, is, you know, and really when a problem arises, really getting to the root of how that problem happened in order to make sure that it never happens again. Mm. And doing that every single time that you have a challenge or a problem or something that's inconvenient come up, um, you know, so in that way you can really smooth it out. Right. Yeah. I used to, when I was a wedding photographer, uh, at least half the weddings I had the same assistant slash, of course, great friend. And on the way home from the weddings, we'd talk about what things went well, what things we could remember to do again. And if there was a challenge, is there a way to resolve that? Like I began to discover that the weddings were frequently late because of the hair and makeup people. So my resolution was to tell my clients to tell them they needed to be ready an hour earlier. So they were ready on time. So it, it, I continually upgraded so that things, 
kind of even going back to something you shared that I guess I helped you with early on was to fix problems before they happen. So it sounds like at a, at a scale of what you're doing, it's even more essential. Am I right in that? Oh yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, if you have one little kink in the system, now all of the sudden, instead of just affecting, you know, three people, it's now it's affecting 15 people. So um, it has to be optimized. Yeah. Yes. So what, if I can tell me if I'm right. So early on you, you got your vision, you learned how to sell, you learned like the the photography, like you got the product dialed in. And then when you had those things in place, then you had this vision of going bigger and you really learned those business basics. So it's like you, you got the basics in place and then, then the business knowledge and practice. Am I right in that? Well, over the last four years, I have, been doing nothing but working and learning and raising my family. So, you know, it's been a long process. Um, And in the very beginning, when I worked with you and I found out that I wanted to do pet photography, I still didn't have the long, long long-term vision. Like I didn't know at that time that I wanted to have multiple locations uh, for pet studios. Um, So, but I knew I wanted to specialize in it, but I wasn't really sure exactly where it was going to go from there um, until I had a baby in 2019, early 2019. And that's when I really developed a longer term vision for having multiple locations, Mm. because it was at that time I was forced to make the studio, not forced, but I chose to make the studio run without me while I was gone to have Olivia. Mm. Um, And then I realized that if I could make it run without me, I could scale it. And that's when I really became more interested in growing it to a larger business because mm-hmm. I wanted to go on Shark Tank. I was thinking I've got great sales. I've got a great <laughs> idea. I've got a scalable business. Um, so I started looking into uh, raising capital. Um, and that's when I went from just only having a business plan and some written processes to really developing a very comprehensive competitive analysis Um, also writing a a pitch deck and doing more detailed financial projections, operating budgets, um, and learning more in the entrepreneurial side, um, of the world, um, at that time. And that's when I really started learning a lot more about those business basics. So that was in about 2019 Mm. or so. Yeah. Um, And then I managed to get some capital. I got a business loan and I was able to move my operations into the larger studio in Norfolk. Um, And then that allowed me to increase my volume. Um, But from, you know, the beginning all the way back into 2017, I've always measured a lot. I've always kept good um, records of how many portraits am I scheduling? What's my closing ratio? Uh, what's my average? What am I selling? You know, what is the, de- what are the demographics of my clients? So doing a lot of analyzing of mm-hmm. data and tracking numbers and being detailed about the business side of the operation from the beginning, it's just been part of the way that I run my business. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, so what I'm hearing is that um, this like, what can I say? 
this is in your nature. Like when I thought about how I wanted to have my business, I wanted to always be the photographer. It's just by nature. I wanted the smaller volume and you, you naturally are an, someone that analyzes that like you, you're built to be a business owner on a scale. Absolutely. It is my personal, my personality style. Yes. And um, at the same, I, sorry. So the same time, what I hear is it isn't like five years ago, you said, I'm going to do this. It's you had the core of a desire of a business. And then as things unfolded, it just kept growing and growing and you kept learning and and making those decisions and studying. And I know you've had other mentors, both in the photography and the business world and, and just like it, it, it blossomed and probably is continuing to blossom. Am I on track with that? Did I? Yes. Um, and when I got the um, business loan in 2020, um, that really helped me a lot because I was able to um, invest in the structure of my business and um, in more education. Um, and that's when I built out my CRM um, and really worked a lot on the behind the scenes um, infrastructure mm-hmm. and writing things out um, and systematizing everything a lot more with that capital that I got. And with the shutdown of 2020, we were closed for seven weeks and I spent that time planning um, and working and studying. Mm. So you didn't sit around going, oh no, I just opened the studio and the mall is closed. It's a disaster. I'm gonna just shut down and cry. You said, Okay, so I've got this time. So how am I going to use it? Well, I did a little bit of that. Of course, of course. <laughs> I was alone inside of a nine million square foot. That sounds like too much. Nine hundred thousand square foot. <laughs> um, yeah, a million square foot mall in New York, Norfolk, and I was alone. It was like a zombie apocalypse in there. But um, yeah, I spent the time learning, um, and uh, that's when I built the structure. I don't know where I'm going with this. Yeah, no, I get it. It. And like you opened the studio and then you had this unplanned blessing of this time to step it up even more. Like what I love about you and well, there's a lot I love about you, Miss Aaron. One of the things is that you're just always growing, just growing, 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 learning, 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 because you've got, you've got these well, you love it and you have that clear vision of why you're doing this. And I've noticed like you're, you're not afraid to take risks like to get a loan. Well, I'm taking a very large risk right now. And this is probably, it is for sure the biggest risk I've ever taken in my life, I think so far. So, you know, knock on wood, it doesn't get too much harder than this. Right. And I'm sure that, you know, the projects will get bigger. And as the business gets bigger, then I mean, it is more responsibility on my shoulders. Um, and sometimes I get little moments of terror. Um, like I realized the other night that pretty soon we're going to have to hire and train 
about eight to 10 new people in about a three to four week period of time wow. for the new studio that's opening. Um, you know, I just submitted blueprints to the city and my contractor is about to send me a bill for a third of the projects. Um, so, you know, we're building a new studio here in Williamsburg and also in October, my entire family and household will be dependent upon the business. Um, so the food that my children eat <laughs> will be dependent on this business that I built that you helped me start Lucy. And that, you know, sometimes I get these little moments where I'm like, Oh my God, <laughs> but you know, I just keep plugging along and just keep swimming and just keep showing up and just keep doing the next thing. Just keep doing the next thing that I'm supposed to do. And I have faith in every single day. Um, we have great sales and we've just had the best week that we have ever done. I think we did wow. close to $40,000 last week, 40. So you're well on your way this year to having a million dollar. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're going to hit, get, we're going to hit over 110,000 for the month of July, um, for this yes. year. So, you know, my household being dependent upon the business is going to be just fine. In fact, we are, you know, we're planning for the future and things are going really well right now. Um, but that doesn't mean that it's not terrifying sometimes. Yes. So I, um, did a mastermind class this week and the initial topic was fear. So I did a little like research from one of my favorite teachers, Susan Jeffers, who wrote a book called feel the fear and do it anyway. And what I'm hearing you say is, and I do remember from the very beginning that those steps are scary every step of the way, but you take them with when you, when you know that you have confidence that they're wise steps, like you're not just uh, jumping out of a plane without a parachute. You're, <laughs> you know, you, you've got plans and you've got backing and background. I think that a lot of people think that entrepreneurs are these risk takers. Um, but I take measured risks and I believe that to be true of every other successful entrepreneur that I've met is that yes, we have a high tolerance for risk. Um, and I have a very high tolerance for risk. Um, in fact, I need change and I need risk as part of my life. Um, but it is measured and it does make sense and it is wise and it is planned out and it is not by any means thoughtless or not planned. Right. Right. Yes. But, and so thank you. I'm sure for a lot of people that is hitting home, like you want to, you want to have your dreams, but do your homework. Right. But perfection is the enemy of progress That's right. and expecting everything to be perfect before you go ahead with it. You know, I submitted my business plan that I wrote. I submitted it to the VP of commercial banking for my local branch of my bank. And um, it's not by any means a perfect business plan. I didn't go to business school. I didn't have, you know, a, somebody who did with an MBA review it. I just wrote it. I put my heart into it. I know it's not perfect. And I submitted it. And you know what? That's the same way that she felt about it too. <laughs> she thought it wasn't perfect, but that she loved it. That's, so, I love that. You know, yeah. just don't be, let fear stop you. Right. Don't let fear stop you. Like you said, like feel the fear and do it anyways. Yes. So one of the truths, uh, Susan Jeffers, and I am going to do an episode, a solo episode on fear, 
but she had five truths about fear. And the first one is fear will never go away. As long as you continue to grow, every time you take a step into the unknown, you experience fear. There's no point in saying I'm when I'm no longer afraid, then I'll do it. You'll be waiting a long time. Fear is part of the package. So I love, you know, this part of our conversation uh, of you, you know, saying your truth that, that uh, it's not always comfortable and you're taking risks and you know it. And the more and more successes that you experience, the easier it is to take that next risk. Ah, Tell me more about that. My business has come to critical moments a lot in the last four years where if I did not get a sale, then bad things were going to happen. I was going to have to sell something else. Like if I didn't sell a wall portrait, I was selling one of the chairs. <laughs> like I was selling <laughs> something, yeah. right? Something was getting sold. So, um, and there were times when I had, you know, that problem going on problem with cash. And then I would also have problems with employees. And then I would also have problems with my personal life all at the same time. And, um, what I really needed was for the universe to come through and to make that sale. And you know what? It always did. Mm. And, um, I have never had to sell anything. Actually, (laughs) I've never had to sell anything and I've never not paid one of my employees. Um, the sales happen when I needed them to happen. And the choices that I made ended up working out and, you know, I've made a lot of mistakes. I failed a lot. Um, but every time I've made a decision and it worked out and things worked, gave me more confidence to be able to make the next decision. And it might just get bigger and it might be more scary, but I've seen from the past that it's going to be okay. Yeah. I love that. And, you know, I know even from the start of our relationship, you took steps, you know, the investment is always for everybody like, is this going to pay off? Um, And some people like one of the challenges I find as a coach is that people are like, well, when I can afford you, then I'll hire you as a coach. And to me, it's like, okay, you, when I can bake a perfect chocolate cake, I'll buy the recipe. So people that I find move, that take the risk, you know, go out of their comfort zone a little bit um, and have some trust that this decision they make either is going to work or if it doesn't, okay, whatever, you know, it, you'll handle it. So did that make any sense? Yeah, definitely. It's about, you know, it's a decision-making process and you can um, break it down. You can do certain, you can use different techniques in order to be able to make decisions like that, such as a SWOT analysis, um, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and trends. Um, And if I want to decide, should I hire Lucy Tumas, you could do a SWOT analysis, or you could do a risk analysis where you say, how likely is it that this happens? And if this happens, then what's going to be the cost of it? Or how likely is it that that doesn't happen? And I make this much. So what's the upside? What's the downside? So there's ways to analyze um, a situation in order to make a good decision. Mm -hmm. 
And I found that if the upside far outweighs the possible downside, then it's probably a good idea to do it. Yeah. And that if there's a downside, like I dated a guy for a while that I knew there was some risk. I knew some of his challenges because I'd known him for a long time as a friend and I went for it anyway. It did not turn out well, but there were parts of it that were valuable. <laughs> so, you live or you learn, right? You live or you learn. Live and you learn. And maybe it's just exactly what you need to turn the corner. Um, I also, just in case people are like, oh, Aaron was this person who had all the time in the world. Um, no. How many kids did you have when you first started under that were little? <laughs> uh, well, I have four children. Um, and when I started in 2016, I only had two or three, three, <laughs> Sorry, three. Yeah. but one of them was really small. Um, and then Olivia was born in 2019. Yeah. So right now. So you had small children while you built your I, empire. I and my husband was active duty in the military. And from 2017, 18 and 19, um, he took, so the three year period of time, he took 17 trips around the world, uh, that were lasting about three to five weeks on average. Um, and I was, so that was when I was building my business and I had, um, you know, three kids Yeah, and, uh, two dogs. And <laughs> that was one of the hardest times of my life. Yes. But you wanted it enough that you figured out how to make it work. I just kept showing up. Yep, if you just- don't quit, you can't fail. That was my mantra. Oh, I love it. Just keep swimming. Okay. So so I'm going to ask for a shameless plug. (laughs) Is that all right, Erin? All right. Of course. Okay. So if you were referring somebody to me, um, as a coach and you have, and I thank you very much. Um, what would you say about why they might want to go ahead and hire me? Well, Um, it depends on, you know, where their specific weaknesses are. But for me, uh, when I hired you, the biggest impact I think that you had on me, one of them was your experience level and your intuition. You know, I didn't see the trend in pet photography because I wasn't part of the photography industry and you have been part of that industry for decades. So you see the trends, you know, what works, you know, what doesn't work, you know, who's been successful over the time period and why. And, um, that experience level, I think is what can really add to people. And now maybe they've been in the business for a long time as well. So, um, in that case, I would say your intuition, um, your inspiration, your ability to see what's not working and to guide them in the direction that they need to go in and give them tips that are going to be really applicable, um, to their situation. So, and I think you really care, you really, really care about your clients and you want them to be successful. So, and that's really nice too. Yeah, really true. I, I don't know why, but I'm wired so that when someone is successful, it feels like it's my success. So, so it's actually kind of selfish of me to be a coach because I personally feel like I have a million dollar pet photography business. I don't have to do anything, (laughs) but but, do I need to pay you royalties? I don't know about, you know, the other day I was thinking I should have asked for a commission because 
Oh yeah. <laughs> so, no, maybe one percent, maybe, maybe I don't know. This uh, is recorded. I'm Can down. I'm down for that. Okay. <laughs> but no, it's just a joy. Uh, you're right. I really care. Uh, it's just like when I'm working for clients with my photography. I'm photographing as if this is my family. And so when I became a coach, I realized that same thing, that same part of me uh, carries over that my coaching clients are like my sisters and brothers that I, because, you know, I'm always mentoring and coaching people, whether they want it or not, you know, grocery store, uh, helping them pick out a pomegranate, even if they didn't ask. <laughs> well, and that's why you're so good at sales, Lucy, because to me, that's what sales is. Right. What you just described. Right. Becoming friends with someone, meeting their needs, caring about them. Yes. Yes. And, and uh, it's a being of service at a, at a level um, that isn't like one of the reasons I personally think that selling only digital files is, is um, not taking care of our clients is because I know, and you know what those finished portraits are going to mean to them in the future. In a it's way just that- a totally, it's like from a different dimension. Like they shouldn't even exist inside the same business at all like they're just so different yeah a finished wall art framed 36 inch beautiful portrait versus i'm going to dropbox you some digitals it's just like not even the same thing right right but clients don't know that and so for me it's our job to um to elevate what we offer so that just like a I don't know, my mechanic used to tell me what kind of service I was going to need in the future. You know, he's the pro. So yeah, being the expert in our field. Anyway, I don't know if what I just said making any sense, but maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. Uh, (laughs) Just two quick questions. So um, how do people learn more about you? Um, You know, what's, what's your website? So people can uh, check out your business. The website is boniapetstudio.com. We also have a pretty active Facebook page. We post all of our clients' files to our Facebook page. So there's a steady stream of our pet portraits there. Um, More information about the business on the website. Um, Of course, it is all client-centered. I don't have any kind of um, like photographer offerings or anything like that. Uh, but I am around in different Facebook groups Great. for photography industry. So my last question is, what would you like people to uh, take away? Like, is there some last thought you want to be sure that's cemented in people's minds before we wrap it up? Sure. Um, I think that I would encourage people to focus a lot more on what it is that your clients actually want. What is the outcome that your clients are going for? And what is the kind of experience they expect and they want along the way? A lot of focus is placed on the photographer being an artist and the brand around a specific person who is the photographer and the artist. It is usually their name 
and then photography, like, like me, right? I was Aaron Boney of photography and I'm the artist and look at this create beautiful art that I create. My style is so unique. I hand edit, I've gotten these awards, I've gotten this and that. And um, I'm so good at what I do. And I offer you this incredible experience. And it's so much about the photographer, but that is not really communicating to the client of what you're going to offer to them and what is in it for them and what they want. And what they want is not, they're not going to look ahead in, in 15 years from now and be like, you know, who made that portrait? It was Erin Bonilla photography made that portrait. Isn't it incredible? Her work is so beautiful. That is not what they're going to say in 15 years. They're going to say, Oh my God, that portrait experience was incredible. My kid was so great that day, or they were horrible. And look how awesome this came out. You look at it and look at the service that you offer from the client's perspective and what they care about. They care about responsiveness, professionalism, excellent customer service, high quality mm -hmm. service and images, all of these things. It's all make the focus on them right. and not on you. Right. Thank you. Uh, you're, that has been something in my coaching this probably the last month that we've been going back to is like, oh, I don't know if my work's good enough. Well, the truth is if the client buys it, it's good enough. This is not, you know, we're not showing our, our uh, paint. We made picture we made at school with tempera paint and asking our mom if we like it. This is about them and creating something they're going to enjoy for their own joy. Uh, you know, get our creative satisfaction somewhere else and serve the clients. I love that. Well, Aaron, thank you so much for First of all, your five years of incredible success, which makes me so, so proud and just so happy to know you and be your friend and continue uh, to cheer you on. I know that was selfish, <laughs> but Thank anyway. Thank you for always being there for me, Lucy, because I know that even now I can call you anytime and talk to you. So I'm very happy to have you as my friend as well. And I cannot wait to see you again soon. I know, same here. Okay, well, um, stay tuned for my little wrap up and let's all thank Erin uh, so much for being so open and sharing all of her good stuff on this interview. Thanks, Erin. Thank you. So here's a little quick wrap up. Um, before I do, I wanna remind you that if you go to lucydumascoaching.com, you will see um, a couple of gifts that would get you on my mailing list. And so you'll be notified when I'm starting to plan this group coaching program, my um, Profitable Photographer Sales Academy and other good stuff. You'll get notices about the podcast regularly so you can know what's up, who to listen to next. So in uh, talking to Erin Bonilla, some of the things that she learned early is to learn how to avoid problems by the things that you do upfront, the way you teach clients, the way you price yourself, you know, the whole thing to set up those expectations clearly. Um, and she talked about the importance of having a vision for the future. That question that I asked her so long ago is, what would you do for free? It, 
or what would you choose if you knew you could be highly successful at any one of those choices that the money would be the same. And for her, it was pet photography. And we also talked about the importance for her about knowing her why that she knows that by building this high volume business that is also creating art for people's homes. So she's doing high volume and most of her clients end up with a wall portrait and uh, often albums and smaller prints. So she knows she's also creating jobs for people and that's important for the world. She's bringing in more money that uh, gets taxed and goes to the government. And I like that she feels good about that because she's creating heirloom products and she's um, just in general passionate about making the world a better place. Um, so I ask her some of the basics. If you are thinking, you know, I'd really like to scale up and be the business owner beyond being the photographer, what do I do if I'm going to be creating a team and expanding the business? And she really got deep on learning business basics, things that don't often get taught in the photography community, writing a business plan, writing down your systems, studying management and leadership, learning, learning, learning. She talked about paying attention to your keep her KPI key performance indicators and what your critical driver is. And you can look that up. Um, it's like, what's the most important piece of the business that makes everything run? Um, look at your bottlenecks. What are the things that are interfering with you expanding? <laughs> she mentioned a couple of books, Scaling Up the Road Less Stupid and E-Myth. And then her final thing that she wants us to pay attention to in no matter what your business is like is to focus on the client. How do you serve them? What kind of experience can you create for them that, that blesses them? It's not about us and getting awards and feeling, uh, you know, like they're, the clients are not there for us. We're there for them. And all the good stuff comes back to us. You know, one of the reasons I love doing projection sales in, in my conference room from a projector and a great big movie screen is that I do get the joy of experiencing their reactions to the photographs, but it's still their reactions that, um, you know, it's still about them. So it's a win-win. Anywho, so stay tuned for next time. And I'm just so happy that you're listening and that you're sharing this with people that you know, so that we can keep learning from these amazing guests that I have. So that's it for now. Uh, we used to say TTFN. Ta-ta for now. <laughs> Bye. You have been listening to The Highly Profitable Photographer with Lucy Dumas. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, subscribe, review, and share. To connect one-on-one -on -one and learn more about our coaching programs, just go to lucydumascoaching.com. Until next time, go have fun photographing and selling your work.